It's been a privilege for us to um, partner with Evangelical Seminary, which is down the road here in Myerstown over the last few months. Uh, one of Evangelical's students, um, a friend of mine for the last few years, his name is Dan Culp. Dan and I met when uh, we played basketball together every Friday morning at Effort of Church of the Brethren uh, for several years. So I've known Dan for about five or six years and have enjoyed getting to know this young man, watch God at work in his life, he and, bring, he and his wife Steph together, and um, and uh, their two kids, um, Matthew and Hannah, and just um, a really beautiful family that God is doing a great work in. Part of Dan's uh, studies at Evangelical include a pastoral internship, and so we uh, partnered with Evangelical to offer Dan that internship um, this semester. So you've seen Dan here and there uh, throughout the life of our ministry. Most of it has been learning um, the basic foundational underworkings of who Cornerstone is and what it means to be part of a local church leadership structure, um, how we do things, different pastoral ministry opportunities. Um, and so uh, one of those is the opportunity to um, to preach. So we're privileged today to be able to um, to hear from Dan uh, as God has led him to um, to bring the word to us this morning. So uh, I encourage you to um, to listen with your mind and your heart to what it is that the Lord has for you um, from Dan through his word today. Uh, I'm going to pray for you, Dan, and then we'll get rolling. God, thanks for Dan. Thank you for uh, the gifts and the calling and uh, what you have put on his life. Uh, beyond that, God, thank you for who he is as a son, as our brother, and we bless him as he comes and brings your word to us. Um, use him as your mouthpiece, God, to deliver your message to us this day. And uh, I pray that in and through all this, you would receive deep glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good morning. So uh, today's text has definitely been a, a battleground uh, for me in my life over the past several years, which I'll explain throughout the, the sermon. Um, there's There's been some victories, um, but also a lot of defeats, but um, yeah, it's it's encouraging to, to look back and, and just see that even, you know, in those times of defeats that God is is moving and working and, and he's a God of redemption and uh, we just don't don't stay there. Um, but the the basic question for for this morning is is just, you know, is whose direction do we follow in our lives? Is, do we do we look to ourselves or do we look to God, you know, in, in terms of planning? Are we planning with God or are we planning without God? And that's that's what James is is dealing with in in chapter four, verses thirteen to seventeen. So if you have your Bibles, you can you can turn there now. Uh, just as a, as a bit of review, uh, with James, James is the the half brother of Jesus. He's the the son of Mary and Joseph. Um, throughout hit, throughout church history, the the book of James at, at certain points has has kind of received a bad rap um, for for a couple different reasons. One. Uh, just at first read, it, it looks like there's a kind of a lack of salvation uh, in in the book. You know, it it doesn't sound quite as as Pauline um, as 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 Paul's uh, other letters. Um, you know, and and as as Matt talked about, and and I'm sure others have. Um, you know, there's this kind of this this faith versus works battle. You know, going on um, that's that's been going through on throughout church history. And um, but even if we if we just think about Ephesians two, like a very famous uh, kind of kind of salvation faith verse of you know we have uh, salvation through through faith and uh, it's not by works it's a, it's a gift from God. The very next verse is that that God created us for good works 
to, you know, we are his workmanship and he's, he's created us for good works for, um, since, since the beginning of time. And so, so Paul is not anti-works and neither is James anti-faith and salvation. Um, and even, and kind of going along with that, people have also kind of recognized that just in the, in the order of, of the biblical canon, James seems to get sort of lost behind Hebrews. Like Hebrews is big book. It's, it's, it's very, eloquent in, in what it's talking about, and, and, and when you read it, it's really, it, it's really well argued and all this kind of stuff, but, but kind of the, the heart of, of what the author of Hebrews is, is saying is that he, he's, he's crying out, he's longing for these people to get beyond the, the kind of the elementary teachings of the faith, get, get beyond just, just you know, drinking milk to, to eating meat. And and James is an is an example of this. James is a meaty book. It, it's short, but it's it's like it's 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 full of meat and and like the, the practical teaching of of what it looks like day to day to to live out the the Christian faith. Um, and then people also kind of have had a beef about um, that that Jesus isn't mentioned a whole lot. You know, just just a couple times. Um, and yet, as, as we said, he's, he's the half-brother of Jesus. Um, and even if, even if his name isn't mentioned a whole lot, his teaching is everywhere. Um, one, one commentator lists 36 different parallel references to Jesus to, 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 in the book of James to Jesus' teachings in the Gospels, especially the Sermon on the Mount. So 36 different parallels of going on in James with, with Jesus' teachings, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, um, that's, you know, roughly an average of like seven parallels a chapter. Like it's just, it's just packed with, with Jesus' teachings. And, it, and it's, a, and the, the whole book is just a great example of how the, the early church would have practically lived out the teachings that, that Jesus had. Um, so that's, that's, uh, James in and of itself. So, uh, with that said, this 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 section um, in in verse thirteen to seventeen is a very practical teaching, um, based in in the things that that Jesus taught. So, starting at verse thirteen, James writes, "Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow." What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So our, our passage gives a, a practical application of, of how to be like Jesus in making future plans, be them big plans or, or small. And so verse uh, 13 says, you know, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go, on, go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Travel in, in the first century was extremely expensive. And so, so most people didn't. Um, and, and this, this saying that, that James is, is quoting, um, you can kind of, kind of see the extra quotes there. 
um, or in your Bible. This was a this was a common saying or an attitude, particularly among among traders and and merchants, and uh, which would have been a, a small number of people in in the actual Christian community. Most of the people in the Christian community were poor. Not not everybody. There were some some wealthy people, um, but but the the majority would have been poor. But it's significant enough for him to to mention this quote, which would have been commonly known by by many many people. Because it, it touches on a, on a broader principle that, that applies to all people, rich or poor. And James is, is not, uh, referencing this, this boastful attitude among the, the merchants, uh, because he's saying that, that making money is, is wrong. Um, he's not saying that the desire to make money is, is wrong. That, that desire in and of itself. Instead, his, his point is that Placing our trust for the future in our own plans instead of God's, instead of God's will—that's that's what's wrong. That's that's the problem that he's that he's hitting here. And so, um, as I mentioned in the beginning, this this idea of you know kind of whose will or, or, or planning um, has has been a, a definite challenge for for me particularly um, for many years. I I served. Uh, in a church as the, the youth pastor for, for two and a half years. And, uh, when I, when I, coming out of college, uh, entering into ministry, I thought, you know, naturally I have, I have all the answers. And so, so as, you know, going into ministry, you know, we're gonna, I have all these ideas that are really great and we're gonna, you know, go at them really hard and, uh, yeah, just just had a, had a lot of lot of ambition um, and and ideas and, and desires and and uh, two weeks ago when when Jay preached on on uh, patience, I was upstairs in the children's ministry because uh, of my the internship I had to observe for a week and that was the week I chose. Um, so when we get in the car, you know, just like oh, you know how to you know how how the service go and stuff. Like oh yeah, the sermon was really good. You need to hear it. And that, that's always really good when, when your wife tells you, you know, and, and I did, I, I listened to it and it was good and I did need to hear it. Um, so, so just kind of naturally I, I, you know, tend to be in, impatient and, and driven and, and ambitious. Um, and because of that, entering into that, that situation, my, my intensity, um, just led to one struggle and, and frustration after another. And, and I could recognize it and I can see it. I could see that things just weren't going well and, and it was just kind of bumping into walls all the time. Um, but I, I couldn't quite put my finger on, on why or, or what, cause it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for God. Like I'm, 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 I'm trying to work for Him. Like I, I think my answers and my ideas are good. Um, like why is this not working? Like why, why do they just not listen and just do what I want them to do, and I'm not asking them to do bad things. I, I don't get it. Um, and in about a year into it, God woke me up at like two in the morning and and gave me like three pictures. Um, and and that this doesn't usually happen, and I don't. But it was it was pretty vivid. And and the one was uh, an experience that I had. I was a, a camp counselor at at Camp Sotara. Um, I don't know, ten years ago or so. And, uh, we're doing counselor training and, and for that we went on a canoe trip at the end of the week. And 
So this buddy and I get in the canoe and, and we just, it was a blue marsh and we just take off and we were like way out in front of, in, in front of everybody. We were having a good time and I look back and my buddy Phil is in the way back. Like, I mean, you could almost not even see him anymore. And I'm like, Phil, I don't get it. Phil's athletic. Like, like Phil, to give you an understanding, Phil's a unicyclist and, and he, he could take his unit, like ride his unicycle up like the mountainside trail or or the rock pile, if you're familiar with Camp, with Camp Sotara, he could ride his unicycle up up the trail, not on the big rocks, but up the trail to, to the base of the rocks. I'm like, he can't canoe? What the heck? Like what's wrong with Phil? And 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 he was he was paired with with quite obviously the 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 weakest other counselor, we'll call him Fred. Um and and uh, um and we knew everybody knew that that Fred would be the worst canoeer, but but Phil was in the back, and the person in the back usually has the most steering and stuff like that. So I'm like, why can't Phil just overcompensate for for Fred? And I and and so we get to the halfway point, and we have lunch and stuff, and, and I'm thinking about this, and and I, I before we're about to get in, I'm like, you know, I, I go over to Phil and I say, you know, hey, if you want to switch, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll take Fred, and and you can go. Go with my guy, and and he's like, no, it's it's not a big deal, and 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 I I made it sound like, oh, you know, I I'm sure it was you know, kind of annoying and challenging and stuff, so so we can just switch, and he's like, all right, whatever. Where in reality, I wanted to be like, he should just be able to power through it, like just just he's in the back, he can steer, whatever, it, it should be fine. So so Fred and I get in the canoe, and. <laughs> It was just the most frustrating and just enraging experience. I mean, I, I, whew, it was, I was, I was hot. Um, the, the canoe just went like this, just like bank to bank. And it was, it was ridiculous. And I, I still to this day don't understand why it was so ridiculous. But yes, I mean, we, we, we did eventually get to our destination, but it took, you know, 20 times longer. And and God was just like, that's exactly what you're doing right now. He's like, yeah, you're making some progress and you're sort of moving forward, um, but you're expending unbelievable amounts of energy and and time and thought um, into what you're doing. In large part because of picture number two was of me. It was Jesus and I. I don't think there were really words exchanged, but um, we were just uh, standing next to each other. We each had like a yoke like around our neck, like a like a cattle, uh, oxen pulling a, a, a plow behind us, and um, you know we're, we're plowing this field, and I, I'm just getting mad, and I'm like, this, so I go over, and I take the yoke off of Jesus, and I'm like, you know, we're done, I'm going to do this myself, because we're not going fast enough, or, or hard enough, or, or uh, quick enough, um, which I don't recommend taking the yoke off of Jesus, that's, that's, that's a bad idea, but that's, that's exactly what, what I was, or what, what God was showing me I was doing. Um, and then the, the third picture was uh, out of Scripture, Second um, Kings six eight to twenty three, which is the story of Elisha, um, and the the army of Aram is 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 you know trying to, to trying to fight Israel. And every time they make a move, um, I guess God allows Elisha to hear the plans of the king, and so he then tells the the Israel's commander, and they kind of make a counter move, at least to like get out of the way. And and the the king's like, what the heck? Like, who is spying? You know, 
is it he's got he's like it's got to be someone in you know internally within my cabinet that's 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 um betraying us it's a traitor that's telling Israel all our plans because they know exactly what we're doing and they, they like know our thoughts and and he finds out that it's this man of God that Elisha and so the whole army or just or a huge portion of it at least comes to to Elisha's front door and and his servant not mentioned but probably Gehazi in 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 the passage um sees him coming and he's like what are we going to do? There's like a thousand guys with swords, you know, coming to our door. And, and Elisha prays for Gehazi's eye, or the, the servant's eyes to be opened. Um, and, and they are. And, and he could, and, and, and in his prayer, he says that he prays that, um, that, that he could, he could see that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so, so then when he prays, uh, the, the servant's eyes are open. And they see that the chariots of fire are behind, like thousands of them, and and that that God is totally with them. And then Elisha prays that their eyes are blinded, and um, so then they they can't see at all. And he's like, "Oh, you're in the wrong place. And here, I'll, I'll show you where you want to go." And he and he leads them right into the to the city of Samaria, to city of Samaria, and the and the Israelites surround him. And he opens their eyes, and or prays that God would open their eyes. And, uh, the Israelite king's like, what do we do? Do we kill him? Like, our enemy's just right in front of us, completely vulnerable. And he's like, no, don't kill him, like, feed him. You know, give him something to drink and send him on their way. You had nothing to do with this. It was totally God. Um, which is another sermon in and of itself. But, um, the point was that, that, that God, you know, was showing that, that he is, you know, with me and that, like, I'm not by myself as I, as I thought I was. Um, and I don't have to keep uh, acting or being like, like I'm, like I was by myself. Um, and then, uh, a few days later, I was, um, outside. It was in the morning and, and I felt like kind of the Holy Spirit just saying to, um, just like look up. And, and so I did. And I, I just was looking at the sky and, um, just had all these thoughts about the clouds and, and just how, just how big they are, and, and, and most of the time we just completely miss them. Like, 99.9% of the time we have no idea the clouds are even there, or what they're doing, or we're not, we're not looking up, or, um, and, and it's only if you, like, actually stop and look, and, and it's usually help, most helpful if you, like, pick a fixed point on the earth, and then, you know, over time you see, hey, they're actually moving, they're not just, like, stuck, or, you know, painted there by Disney. Um, and they're 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 doing something, and and I did a little research, and and um, you know sometimes they can I found they can they can weigh like as much as an elephant. Like obviously they're they're huge and they're spread out over a big amount of space, but these huge massive bodies of water are are doing all kinds of stuff in the background that we have no idea about. You know most of the time in our life, and and God was like, I am doing so much that you have no idea about. Um, and, and you, from your tiny little perspective, you know, you think, you know, that, that you're all, all on your own and it's all you. And, and just that he's, he's doing all these things. Um, and so I, you know, I was, I was pretty convinced and, uh, I, uh, confessed that, that, you know, what he was, what he was showing was right and, you know, to, to see the same as. Um, and I declared an intent to, to change and to realign my thinking and, and, and kind of the ways I was doing things. And I, and I made some improvements, but, you know, a lot of things had already been, um, in motion and, uh, I was 
little over a year uh, after that that um, yeah that I was I was no longer there. But but looking back, I I can see that that God really had different plans and that I couldn't see in the moment um, at all. And so James's re- response then in in verse fourteen to to what's going on in in thirteen um, was really in a lot of ways, ways how I felt. Um, he says, you know, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And so no, no matter how careful our planning is about the future, it, it's still uncertain. Um, and, and Jesus, you know, kind of speaks to this pretty directly in, in Matthew 6. Uh, 34, he says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this, this particular verse um, in Matthew 6 has, has always struck me, and it's, it's kind of frustrated me a little bit. Because um, I, I agree that certainly we're to live in the present and and not to worry about the future, but just the kind of the negative way it's it's stated, it's just kind of like, oh, it just doesn't quite sit right. Um but I certainly, you know, believe it's true. And, and either way, I think the, the point is that, that God is God and, and we're not. And no matter how, how much we try to play God or be God in our life or, you know, with, with future plans or, or whatever, um, it's, no matter how hard we try it, it, we, we can't have certainty about the future. There's, you know, there's, there's thousands of, of stories of people that had tons of money or, you know, think of the, like, the, the stock market crash or, or whatever that, that people had, thought they had all this stuff stored up and and something just came along and just completely shattered it and, and, and knocked it completely to the ground, no matter how how airtight we think our, our, our ideas and our plans are. And the point is that, that God He doesn't a- ask us to, to figure it all out on our own. That's not that's not what He's what He's doing. He asks us to follow Him. He asks us to, to be present in the moment where where He is instead of trying to figure it out on our own. Um, for the future, and so verse fifteen is is kind of the, the heart of the matter of, of what what we're supposed to do, our, our, our response. Um, so instead of trying to figure out the future, James says in verse fifteen, he says, "Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that." And this is the this is the the core of of this section, not just I mean, it is the the middle verse um, out of five. It's number three, but but the point is that that we're to trust that that God's will is best, and even if we don't understand what's going on or we don't understand His His will in the moment, and this idea of of the Lord's will is is all throughout Scripture, um, and certainly the the most dramatic example would be in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, there's there's no stronger Temptation of 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 wanting a, a human desire than 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 where Jesus is at on his knees in the garden, knowing full well what is about to happen, knowing that he's going to be be beaten and betrayed and and just brutally murdered. Um, and so so he said he he says, Father, if you are willing, take this away, take this cup. You know. I don't. If if there's any other way, I don't want it. 
you know, he, he's human. He, he's fully God, but he, he's, he's 100% human being. And, and, and he knows it. And, and he, he knows he's going to feel it and it's, it's going to be awful. And he says, not my will be done, but yours. And so we, we see this, this example in, in the midst of the biggest challenge that, that we could ever face, that, that, e- that even at that point, Jesus still was seeking the Father's will. And he also not, you know, so, so he, he, he teaches about it, but he, he also lives it out. And, and in his teaching, and, you know, in, in the Lord's Prayer, he, he says, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he, he teaches us, you know, regularly to, to be praying this for, for God's for God's will to, to be done in our life and, and to seek that and, and to partner with him um, in that. And then Paul, too, um, when, when he's leaving uh, the, the people at Ephesus, he, he, he wants to come back. He, he loves these people desperately. Um, you know, he wants to be with them, but he's like, he's like I'm going to come back if it's God's will. Um, but he, he's not going to, you know, make that, that statement like, yeah, I'll definitely be back, you know, cause, cause he, he knows that even, even following his own desires for these people that he loves and God's placed him in relationship with, it's more important for him to, to follow God's will than, than, than his own desires. Um, and Proverbs 19, 21, uh, speaks to this idea as well, um, that, that many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so instead of the, the self-sufficient attitude of verse 13, that, that yeah, we're going to go do this and that, you know, in a year from now and make all this money, um, we're to, to seek God's will and, and God's plans, um, not just our own. And so one, one example um, that has gone well for, for, for both Steph and I is, is uh, in, in, our, in our housing situation. Um, we tried to, to live this out and, and to seek God's will in this. And, and, and seeking God's will doesn't mean that we don't plan. Like, like um, even before we were married, we were potentially looking into, into buying a house and we eventually uh, got an apartment. But uh, in, And we, we do now have a house. And, and in that process, we didn't just, you know, say open up the, the page and close our eyes and, and plop our finger down or, or we didn't like here's a couple good choices and we'll start throwing darts. You know, it, it's not it's not anything like that. Like we did our homework, we, we talked to people, we 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 visited a bunch of houses. Um, you know, we, we were actively engaged in this process, but every time we were like, this seems like a really good one, we we prayed like um God you know, if, if this is the one, open the door and, and make it happen. But if it's not, slam it shut. Slam the door shut. Um, and he did four different times. And, and each, each of those four times, like when we, we put in a bid, you know, to get it and that kind of stuff, we thought this would be a really good fit. Um, you know, we, we were really convinced, like, God, we really like this. We really want this. You know, please make it happen. But if it doesn't, you know, slam the door shut. Um, and, and we were we were we were counseled in that based on on Revelation seven, um, which says these are the words from him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. He, uh, referring to Jesus, what what he or what Jesus opens, no one can shut, and what he sh- what he shuts, no one can open. Um, and so then the and then 
So the fifth time, he, he opened the door, and it's the house that we're in today. Um, but, but looking back, all four of those were like, they wouldn't have been a good fit. Um, not just, you know, for, for very different reasons. Even one of them, like two weeks after the, the other people, you know, their bid was just a little higher, and they, they took theirs, um, they had a huge, uh, their oil tank had a huge leak, and, like, there was just oil all over the basement. And it was, it was just, you know, a huge mess. And I don't know what happened or who paid for it or, or whatever, but um, that would have been obviously a, a big mess. But, um, but in each case, we could look back and like, yeah, you know, that wasn't it. Um, so the fifth time we, we got it, um, and, you know, we, we bought it based on we could, we could pay all of our bills, like on, on my salary. Um, and anything Seth made would have been, would have been extra. And so it seemed like, you know, things were good. And then about 11 months into it, um, I, the, uh, the pastor at the church that I was at was like, oh, by the way, um, they're, you know, they're going to be asking for your resignation. Like, ooh, okay. Um, and what makes it even more interesting is that two days before that, um, had that little meeting, uh, we had just found out we, uh, Steph was pregnant with our first child. So we, you know, first kid on the way, you know, brand new mortgage payment. Um, I then went and uh, was working at a daycare part-time, so my salary was cut to less than a fourth of what I was making, and so we're like, obvious, I mean, without even thinking, we have to move, like, this is just absolutely impossible, there's there's no way we can, we can keep the house, um, so we put it on the market, and it just wouldn't sell, and, and people loved it, like, we had, you know, several Couples come come through. Um, we heard at least five different times. Yeah, we love the house. We'd love to buy it, but we have to sell ours first. And I'm like, well, you're the fifth person that's told us that. Um, and so it was like like a week and a half before uh, Matthew was due, and we're like, well, we're still here. Um, oh, I missed a part. About uh, about two months or so after I stopped. Uh, working at the church, we just kind of looked at each other one day. We're like, how are we even paying the bills? Like, what the heck? Like, and, and we look back and the exact week that I stopped getting a paycheck from the church was when previously Steph was working at this medical daycare as a nurse. Um, her hours were all over the place for multiple reasons, but they were, all over the place for from like four to like sixteen hours a week, and we we never knew what you know the next week was going to hold. That very week, she went to a consistent like thirty to thirty three hours, um, and we didn't even realize it really until like looking back, we're like, oh, that's how, like God totally provided, and we we almost didn't even know it. Um, so then we're about uh, a week and a half from from Matthew being born. And we're like, well, we're still here. We're we're paying our bills. I guess, I guess we stay. So so we took the house off the market, and then two days later he came. So <laughs> it's good we <laughs> good we did that, and we weren't having a showing. Um, yeah, well, that would have been ugly. <laughs> so yeah, I I tell that story because I, I feel like it exemplifies just how how God knows best, and and even when when things seem impossible or it seems like there's no way that that this can happen. Sometimes, if it, if it's His will, like it it does, and 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 He comes through in, in ways that we don't even know. Um, 
but he doesn't he doesn't want to keep that knowledge that he has to himself. But we have to ask. He he's not rude and usually doesn't just force it upon us. Um, and James in in uh, chapter one verse five says, "If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you." And so we need to ask. We we have a God who speaks and wants to speak, um, but he he wants us to ask. And so not including God in our planning not only is is dumb is 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 foolish, but it's also arrogant pride. And and that's what, what James says in verse 16. He says, kind of based on the the arrogance in, in verse 13, he says, As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. And boasting and bragging in our own plans is, is saying is is saying that we don't need God, whether we actually verbalize that or think that out loud um, or not. And James says that's evil. And that's that's a pretty strong word choice that he uses there. And arrogant pride is is the root problem of of any type of self sufficient planning that, that we can do it on our own without God. And God didn't he didn't create us to be apart from him. He created us for a relationship with him to, to go to the, the places that that he's asking us to go. Um and the, the idea of the stronger that you are, the more self-sufficient and independent you are, like that's not, that's not from God. That's, that's from Satan. Um, and, and in America, that so oftentimes get, gets played out with, with rugged individualism and independence and, and all those sorts of things. Um, but that's, that's not even close to, to how Jesus lived. And if there was, if there was any one human being that ever walked the earth that could be self-sufficient, it would be Jesus. Um, and, and he was compl- not like that at all. Here, here are Jesus' words in, in John's Gospel. He writes, or he says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then in chapter 8, he says, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. And so these words don't sound like the words of a, of a self-made man um, that, that's independent and, and just, just on his own. He, Jesus was the most dependent person on the Father that, that ever lived. And so this, this, this arrogant, self, self-sufficient mentality just cuts to the heart of what it means to be a Christian dependent upon the Father. And so James in, concludes this this short section in in verse 17 saying that anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins this verse points out that that not doing something that we should do is is as bad as intentionally doing something that we know is wrong um if if we flip it around in in, in the positive it, it would be you know now that you know what is right do it that's what he's saying so the the choice is is up to us. We can seek God and His will for our lives remaining connected to him and and dependent upon him, or we can live on our own and and ignore God um, 
which is boasting and, and arrogant, whether we realize that or, or, or say it or not. So at this point, uh, the worship team can, can come up. Um, but I want to, to end with, with Jesus' words in, in Matthew chapter 7, the, which is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, um, which James, uh, the book is just saturated with. Um, so the end of the Sermon on the Mount, I feel like, concludes these thoughts very well. And, and Jesus says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So will we build our life on the rock of Jesus' will or on the sand of our own plans? Let us pray. Jesus, we we thank you for, for you. We thank you for for your words, um, we thank you for uh, for James's um, words here that we read. But more than just teaching and more than words, we we thank you for your example that you didn't just give us pithy sayings or or good philosophy or wisdom to live by. You you lived it out, um, and in the garden, you you showed that you you know, certainly put put to practice the, the things that you taught. Um, and Not my will, but, but yours be done. And so may we be, be people following after you um, and, and filled with your Holy Spirit, um, giving us strength and, and power to, to live out um, your will because it, it's, it's so hard, especially when we, when we don't understand, when we, when we can't see. Um, we want to kind of take the, the steering wheel back in our own lives and, and say, I know what I'm doing. You know, I, I can't see you. I don't understand, so I'm just going to do it myself. Um, but but that's, that's not how you lived. Um, and and it, it's just a, an empty and exhausting uh, way to live. And so we, we love you, and, and we pray that we would, we would seek you and, and be filled with your spirit um, and your peace. Um, that goes beyond understanding. And so uh, be with us as we leave, and, and may, we, may we walk as, as you walked. And we ask that in your name. Amen. I encourage you to uh, bless Dan with your feedback and encouragement. And, uh, you know, the churches oftentimes lack leadership because they don't develop leaders, and uh, we want to avoid that. So um, uh, be sure to um, uh, pass along your encouragement and thoughts. Uh, good word this morning. So uh, let's pray together. God, thank you for uh, for our time together, and we thank you for exactly that. You know, time—the gift of of time. This um, this space that we have been in, and um, I pray that as we receive this exhortation to um, receive your direction regarding our time, to receive your thoughts, your ways. Um, uh, 
where you would have us go, how you would have us be, what it means for us to be in the moment with you. Uh, we, we receive these words from James 4 today, God, and want to walk with you in each aspect of that time, um, truly looking for your will, for your kingdom to come, your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. So may you, my brothers and sisters at Cornerstone, may you align yourself with God in such a way that you are receiving his direction and walking in his grace each and every moment of your lives. And may you experience joy that is unmeasurable. Amen and amen.